But first, that's a big thing to say. I'm calling you all to tell your friends about heaven that's waiting for them. But first, before you do that, you have to believe it for yourself. You have to. Because there's a lot of people in here tonight, a lot of students in here tonight, that grew up in this very building from the moment they were this tall. I'm like down here. From the moment you were this tall, you grew up in this building, either dragged here or you wanted to be here at some points of your life, or whatever the circumstance is. There's a lot of you that have known about Jesus for a long time and you call him the Lord and Savior of your life. But are you actually taking hold of the fact that heaven is waiting for you and are you living like it? Welcome back to the PC Youth Pod. This week's message is from Romans 8, learning to fight now for glory later. Grab your Bible and something to write with as we hear this week's message from Pastor Spencer. Christian, things, but I, I don't think he put a sound on it or anything like that, so it's not like people could look it up. I, it just show up on their For You page, and Max touches a lot of people Um, And that's the way that he's ministering to people. So good job, Max. I'm proud of you, buddy. Tonight, oh, man, I love Wednesdays. Wednesdays are seriously one of my highlights of my week. Corey and I, Corey works part-time at the church now, so we get to come in together in the morning. We get here about 9 a.m. every Wednesday, and we spend the whole day together working. And then youth group happens. It's a beautiful day. We got Starbucks today, so it held us through. We're surviving. It's going to be awesome. But tonight, we're going to talk about I'm excited for what, for what God has laid on my heart tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about fighting now for glory later. And some of you might say, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I fight my brother and sister sometimes, but I don't know what you're talking about. When you say glory, I don't know what you mean. Um, but like every message, like every, every time we dive into the word together, there's always an issue. There's always this why, this question that we're trying to solve. Um, and tonight I want to set the stage just making it clear that life is a journey. For each and every single one of us in here, life is a journey and it is very challenging. Life doesn't, isn't, the world around us isn't necessarily in favor of us. Some might even say that life is a constant fight. Life is a constant fight. We're fighting to live another day. We're fighting to, to get through the situation that we're in. You are fighting. I am fighting. We are all fighting to get through whatever circumstance that we're in. Some of us it might be school. Some of us might be a relationship dynamic at our, at our home. Some of us might be we lost a friend. Some of us, it might be mourning a death. We all have these things that we're fighting to get through because we know that we can't do it by ourselves. So when I say fighting, I, don't, I want you to hear that the first thing off the bat. When I say fighting, I don't mean that at all in a negative context. When I say fighting, I mean we're fighting to be a light in the world of darkness. We're fighting to to persevere in something that's trying to take us out. Are you tracking so far? The world around us is trying to take you and me out and we're fighting to live another day. So whether you're a Christian or not in here tonight, whether you would say Jesus is your Lord and Savior or you would say he's not, we are all fighting against this world around us. Earth is, a full, earth is full of real issues. It is a real struggle and there is real sin all around each and every single one of us. When I was starting to think about this issue, when I was starting to think about this problem, this question that I'm trying to solve, obviously we're going to find out later that the Bible solves this issue, but I looked up an article online from an organization called Barna. For those of you that don't, probably none of you know what Barna is, but Barna is an organization that does research. It's a Christian organization that does research amongst a lot of areas of the church. And specifically, I found an article that talks about young people 
that leave the church after, after high school. So we're talking about 18 to 29-year-olds. After they're done with youth group, they've gone through middle school and high school youth group, we're talking about these people that have now exited youth group, what happens to them. According to this article, we're talking about young people that drop out of church. It says this, church dropout is a major problem. And in fact, the percentage of young adult dropouts has increased to 64%. To put that into context, according to statistics, according to this research, by the time all of you graduate, 64% of you would have left the church and never come back. Nearly two-thirds of U.S. 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in church They tell Barna they have withdrawn from church involvement as an adult after having been active as a child or teen. I don't know about you, but that stat to me is very alarming. And it's one that we often throw around a lot. Like, I think you hear, if you've been around church for any amount of time, you've heard a similar statistic. You've heard a similar study done. But I'm sure at the same time you hear these, I mean, I saw a lot of you, your eyes opened up and you're like, whoa. It raises an alarm in our head. It's kind of a red flag. It's scary. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the reason these statistics exist today is because most young people aren't living with the hope of heaven that Jesus offers us. In the fight that you and I fight, they're letting take over their lives, and they drop out of church. And that's scary. But tonight, we don't have to be scared because there's massive, massive encouragement in God's word. This is obviously an issue, but we're going to learn about why this fight, Paul's going to tell us tonight why this fight that we are living is so, so worth it. So the title, like I said, of tonight's message is Fight Now. All of us are fighting now for glory later. We're going to be reading out of the book of Romans. You guys know I love the Apostle Paul. In the book of Romans, Paul is teaching and writing a letter, actually, to, to the Romans in this time. And for those of you, I want to set the stage. For those of you that don't know who Paul was, he he was once, I've I've told his story a lot, but he was once a very, very, I guess you could say bad man. He persecuted Christians. His name was Saul, and he was actually killing Christians because he hated them so much. And there came a point when when God got a hold of him, and he he realized that the call of God on his life was to actually tell people about Jesus and and what he's done. So his name was then changed to Paul, and he, he went, and he was one of the greatest, you could say, pastors of that time, traveling all across the world and writing letters to these different churches in these different areas of the world. And so this is his... This is his letter to the Romans. And at this time, Paul was actually one of the most suffering, you could say, people. He was suffering for his faith because people were so mad that he was telling people about Jesus that they would put him in jail. So Paul tonight knows a lot about suffering. And I don't think a lot of us have much on him compared to what he had to go through. There was books of the Bible that he wrote when he was in prison in chains. So tonight, Romans 8, I preached on this the early part of this chapter, I think sometime back in the summertime, and early on in uh, Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about how if we live with God, we will live. And if we live with sin, we will die. I say it often, but, but Paul doesn't really ever sugarcoat things. He says it how it is. If we live with God, we will live in eternity in heaven with him. And if we live with sin, if we live for the enemy, we will die. And a lot of us know what, what, what death means and where, where, where eternal is for death. He expresses, Paul expresses how the Holy Spirit is our guide for you and for me, and he talks about how he's our director and tells us how to live devoted to the Lord. So tonight, we're going to dive into the later chapter of this, of this book, and Paul's going to speak to the fight and to the struggle of the life that the Romans were living in this time and the same struggle and fight that we're living with today. 
And I'm super excited to dive into this with you. So dear Jesus, thank you for this amazing opportunity, this amazing night. We say it every week, but we don't take it for granted the opportunity to gather in your house, hang out with one another, and most importantly, open your word and learn what you would have to say to us. Jesus, whatever these students walk in here with tonight, I pray that you speak to them and make yourself clear. God, I believe that even in this service, you're, gonna, you're going to heal issues. You're going to bring students out of issues that they, they didn't know they could become out of. And God, we're thanking you for it in advance. We're so excited to be together. And every week we say it, have in and out later tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, who has their Bible? I actually have treats this time. Raise your hand if you have a Bible. Fia, here's an Oreo. Who else has their Bible? I can't see. Is that Emma? Emma, there's an Oreo. If you, have a, if you have your Bible, come up here and show it to me, actually. How about that? Stand up. Show me your Bible. I have Oreos. I think there's like six in here. Alex, there's a, an Oreo for you. Where's your Bible? That's a good-sized Bible. Pocket Bible, Oreo. I mean, all of you have Bibles on your phone, but I'm looking for in-person real ones. Isaiah. This is Isaiah. He's new. He brought his Bible. There you go. Bible. Oreo, Gabby, Bible, good job. Two more for two more people, I think. Oh, Emily, Sarah, I owe you something. I'll give it to you after. Bring this box as a reminder and show it to me after, and I'll, I'll give you a snack. Deal? Thank you for bringing your Bibles. Sometimes there's reward for it, but ultimately it's just a good discipline and good habit to start. So for all of you that have Oreos in your hand besides Sarah and Emily, and if you have your phone, that's okay too. Open up to Romans chapter 8, like I have said. When you get to Romans chapter 8, as you're getting there, I want you to pay very, as we begin to read tonight, I want you to pay very close attention to the, the, the word choice that Paul uses in this scripture. He's very, very intentional about the, his word choice, and I think it's very, very powerful. Are you guys there? If you have Oreos, you can eat them quietly. Don't make a mess. But ultimately, we're going to be in the word together. Okay, Romans 8... Verse 18, we're going to start there. This is what Paul says. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. That's a way to start out a passage. I'm going to say it again. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. When Paul talks about the glory that God will reveal to us later, he's talking about heaven. There comes a day when God's going to send his son back. Jesus is going to come back. And take all of us that would consider ourselves followers of Jesus back to heaven with us. So he's saying right now at the very beginning, nothing that we suffer today is going to have any comparison to the actual glory of eternity that we'll experience later. Verse 19 says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that day when God will, re will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. When I was preparing, I read that scripture to Corey. That's fire to me. This creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights in his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope, if, we were given this hope when we were saved. 
If we, already have, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Paul is a straight shooter. He goes for it. He tells it how it is. And he, like I said, he doesn't sugarcoat a thing. And to you right now, that might, that might be a little bit encouraging. And I'm, for me, it is as well. But I want to focus on a few things out of that passage. Paul says that the eternal glory, eternity in heaven is nothing compared to what we will experience on earth. The suffering that you might find yourself in right now, when you're in heaven, you're going to say, that was not an issue, because look where I'm at right now. Heaven is waiting for you and for me. We will be saved from the sin of this world, and we have a great reward waiting for us in heaven. That's awesome. Like, I don't know how many times we take the time out of our day to remember that. There's times when I forget, like I take for granted, I'm just being honest, I'm being real tonight. There's times when I take for granted the fact that heaven is waiting for you and for me. But we shouldn't because there's real suffering that we experience on a daily basis that Paul says is going to be nothing compared to the glory waiting. That's, that's unreal to me. The reward is promised to all of us that call on Jesus. That's important tonight. This reward that we're talking about, you may not know you may not know what I'm referring to, but the Bible says that all that call on the name of Jesus will be saved. And Paul even says it again in this scripture. We are awaiting the freedom from death and decay. For those of you that don't know, as we were born into human nature, we were born, we were deserving death. We were deserving death. But Jesus came to save us from that because Adam and Eve sinned. And from then on, all human nature was deserving death. But God knew that we were going to eventually need a Savior, so he sent his son Jesus to save us. So all that call on that name and accept him as our Lord and Savior of our lives will receive this great reward waiting for us in heaven. God is in heaven right now preparing it for you and for me. This was cool to me when I was reading this. The Holy Spirit provides us a taste of what our eternal life can be like in heaven. A taste. The Holy Spirit exists on earth today and is moving and living in people and indwelling in us and guiding us and directing us to make decisions and follow the path of the Lord. And because he allows us to be close to God, he is God, but as the Trinity says, God the Son, the Father, the Holy Spirit, God allows, or the Holy Spirit allows us to walk in step with the Lord. So he gives us a taste of what freedom in heaven will be like. That's cool to me. Like we don't get it yet. We have to wait patiently and confidently like Paul says but we can at least have a taste of what it will be like. And can you imagine how much better it's going to be when we're there? This is a conclusion I made just based on this reading. Humans are longing to be saved from a sinful world. So we set the stage. All of us are fighting something. All of us find ourselves in this situation where we don't know what's next. And that can be a small thing. You could say, I have no idea how that math homework is going to get done tonight. Or you could say, I'm grieving this death in my family, and I have no idea what the next step is. There's a big spectrum of things that we're fighting. But all of us are fighting something, and humans are longing to be saved. And some of these things that I'm talking about aren't even necessarily sinful things. But the world around us is a sinful place. We're born into a sinful, broken world. And we as humans are longing to be saved from it, even if we don't even actually realize that's what we're longing for. So imagine this, every student represented in your school, Christian or not, 
That's important. Every student represented in your school, whether they're a Christian or not, is longing for something greater than themselves. They may not know that they need to be saved from this suffering that we're talking about, but they're longing for it. It's in their human nature. Paul says all creation is eagerly waiting. He didn't say some of the creation or creation that's saved. He said all creation is eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus. Every student, every person, everyone is eagerly waiting the return of Jesus, even if we don't realize it. How cool is it, though, that God gives us the opportunity to, to wait for something patiently? Like, we could easily say, oh, man, I wish I was in heaven. It would be so much better. Paul says that we, he said at the very end of this passage, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something that we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. We don't have to wait wondering, like, am I going to go to heaven? Like, if you know that you know that you know that you're saved and you're following Jesus with your whole heart, you know for sure you're going to heaven. You can wait confidently and patiently for the return of Jesus. So we don't have to say, ah, man, I know I'm saved. I know that I'm calling on Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, but I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not sure yet. That's not what Paul says. We can wait with confidence that we will be delivered from the suffering on this earth. Is that encouraging to you or just me? And I'm not mad, I'm just asking a question. But the fact that God calls us to wait, that actually takes an act of obedience. So we don't just wait like, I'm trying to think of a good example of waiting. You don't just wait like, like you know, okay, you, Amazon, we all use Amazon analogies a lot. You order from Amazon, two-day free delivery with Amazon Prime, like it's a good deal, okay? We can all agree. Two-day free delivery. You order, press place order, you know it's going to be there in two days. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. But with Amazon, you wait with confidence knowing that it's going to be there in two days. So we, this is a little bit different because we don't know when Jesus is coming. But the same as Amazon, we know that he's going to come. We know that the package is going to come at some point. So wait with confidence just like you do with Amazon for your package to come. And this package is better than any other Amazon package you could receive. That takes an act of obedience. You don't place order and say, ah, man, that thing might come. You obediently, I mean, that's a weird thing to say about Amazon, but you actually are being obedient to wait and confidently wait for your package to come. So God calls us into obedience to actively wait and prepare for eternity with Jesus. Hence the word prepare in that sentence, to actively wait and prepare for the eternity with Jesus. That, must, that means we must prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our souls on earth for eternity with Jesus. We must live to the best of our ability. We must fight to the best of our ability all the suffering around us with Jesus at the front of us and we're following him. We must prepare our hearts and our souls. Paul's teaching to the Romans in this passage can also teach us so many things today. It's important to understand this. In Romans chapter eight, Paul's writing a letter to the Romans in the time when they lived. God's word is living and alive, so just as Paul was writing to the Romans, he's actually writing to us today as well. We have the assurance, this is important, today we have the assurance that today's suffering is nothing compared to the eternal glory that God has offered us. I've said it already. But there's assurance in that statement. There's assurance that you can, that you can go to sleep at night knowing that eternity with Jesus is going to be so much better than anything you've ever experienced here on earth. That pain won't even matter because of the massive amount of saving grace waiting for us. 
I would hope that all of us tonight, we've talked about this, like even if our friends didn't know that they're eagerly waiting a hope. They're eagerly waiting a hope. I hope that even if they, if they don't know what the hope they're waiting for is, I would hope that some of us here tonight would tell them what it is. Like, I, that's been my mission of late, to tell everybody, like, to tell you, high school, middle schoolers, like, there's something that you are waiting for, you just don't know what it is. So your friends at school that are putting all of their energy into fill in the blank, and you know that that's not going to get them to eternity, who's going to tell them? I would hope that tonight it would be you and me. I would hope that it would be you and me. Because they're suffering, just like we're suffering. Your friends at school are suffering. They don't know what's going to get them through. You and I do. You and I are suffering these things that feel minuscule. Well, actually, maybe not minuscule in the moment. But you and I are suffering things that could either be minuscule or big. But we know that we're going to get to the other side because we have Jesus to follow. Your friends at school, have a lot of them have no idea how they're going to make it to tomorrow. They have no clue. They have no idea. And they could be going through things way beyond our imagination. Because for those of us that know, living without Jesus is a life leaded to destruction. And they're probably into things right now that you could never imagine being into. And so if they don't know that Jesus is what's going to save them, we have a responsibility to tell them that. That there is an eternal glory waiting for them and you in heaven. But first, that's a big thing to say. I'm calling you all to tell your friends about heaven that's waiting for them. But first, before you do that, you have to believe it for yourself. You have to. Because there's a lot of people in here tonight, a lot of students in here tonight, that grew up in this very building from the moment they were this tall... I'm like down here. From the moment you were this tall, you grew up in this building, either dragged here or you wanted to be here at some points of your life, or whatever the circumstance is. There's a lot of you that have known about Jesus for a long time and you call him the Lord and Savior of your life. But are you actually taking hold of the fact that heaven is waiting for you and are you living like it? Are you actively preparing your heart and soul and your mind to be ready for Jesus to come and take you back with him? Because there's going to be a day when Jesus is going to come and he's going to judge the living and the dead. Are you ready to make an account before the Lord about every sin you've ever committed? Because all of us have sinned. None of us are this like, so no one's walked in here tonight like glowing because they've not done anything bad. We've all fallen short of what God has given us. But are you ready? I'm at, this is really serious tonight. Are you ready to, to stand before the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry I did this. I know I did this. I know I did this. And make an account for everything you've done. We must be preparing our hearts actively for the return of Jesus. So that doesn't mean growing up in this church and living, saying you love Jesus, but living however you would so please. That doesn't mean that's what's going to get you there. And I know this is harsh tonight. I know I'm kind of going at it, but, but the reason this is so serious to me it's because I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in other people's lives. And then I've also seen the flip of it. When someone grabs a hold of Jesus and, and they can't live without him. There's a drastic change. Because there's some of you in here that, that know who Jesus is and you love him. But you're so casual about your relationship with him that it doesn't matter how actively you're pursuing him. 
and you feel like things are going good, you have all this influence, you have all these people around you. Maybe I'm just preaching to the choir tonight, but there's people around you that you feel like, oh, I got a good life right now, and I'm suffering, but I still get through. I got a good amount of people around me. I love Jesus, but I'm not. Imagine, I say this so many times, imagine if the influence that God gave you, you gave back to the Lord. Imagine it. I've seen it so many times where people, adults and young, they do good by themselves, but the moment they grab onto Jesus and let him guide, it, guide them and direct them, their life switches. And it could have been good before, but it's tremendously better. And then to think, I have a good relationship with Jesus right now, but my life is going to be nothing on earth as it is going to be in heaven. It's going to get even better. It's going to get even better. So you must believe that heaven is waiting for you for yourself, and we must tell others as well. We must. I preached a few messages ago. It's urgent. The time is now. There's no more waiting. Because the suffering that you and I experience gets more and more and more real every single day. Do we understand what is at stake? Do we understand what could happen if, this, if these things aren't done? If we all understand what God has done for us and prepared for us, then like I said, why on earth would we still be choosing to live with our own agenda? If that's truly understood in your mind, that God sent his son Jesus to die for you, then why on earth would you live with your own agenda? Because the suffering you're experiencing feels real if you live with your own agenda, and it gets heavy. But the suffering that you experience if you're living with Jesus will be so much easier to conquer. I promise you, following your own desires isn't going to, get you to, going to pan out. There's a lot of things here on earth that seem appealing, but they aren't going to get you where you would truly want to go. Because like I said, all of us, even if we're not Christians in here tonight, are longing for something good. Because there's not very much good around us here on earth. So living with your own agenda isn't going to get you to somewhere good. Whether you've, what if you stewarded the influence that God has given you and served the kingdom instead of yourself? A lot of us in here serve ourselves before we serve, before we serve the Lord. And that's a real temptation. I'm not here saying, like, that's, that's easier said than done. It's, there's a real temptation to serve your own fleshly desires before you serve the desires of the Lord. But it's real. The tensions of this world are real, but I would never want the suffering that we experience on earth to be for forever. I would never want, I would never wish that upon anybody, that the tensions and the struggles and the suffering that we experience on earth, I would never wish for someone to have to go through that for forever, for eternity. I would never wish that upon my worst enemy. And I'm here to tell you tonight that it doesn't have to be that way. Heaven is available. Heaven is available for you and for I, for those that call on the, on the Lord. We talked about earlier the, that Barna Research article, and it said that 60, 64% of Young adults drop out of church at some point after they've graduated. And the title of the article is actually called six, drop, uh, Church Dropouts Has Risen to 64%, but it said, What Happens to Those That Remain? And this was really, really encouraging to me tonight and also challenging. And it says this, 10% of young Christians, so we said 64% drop out, 10% of young Christians, which amounts to just under 4 million 18 to 29-year-olds in the U.S., 10% of them follow Jesus and are resili resiliently faithful. 
In spite of the tensions they feel between church and everyday life, they keep showing up. They keep showing up. No matter the tensions, they keep showing up at church to hear from the Lord. The, the article coined these students resilient disciples. Resilient disciples. Individuals in this group have made a commitment to Jesus, who they believe was crucified and raised to conquer sin and death. They are involved in a faith community beyond attendance at worship services and strongly affirm that the Bible is inspired by God and contains truth about the world. They're involved in a faith community beyond worship services. So that means that these resilient disciples, 10% of 18 to 29-year-olds, are involved in something greater than themselves more than just Wednesdays and Sundays. They're living it amongst people around them. They're living it at school. So, I mean, tonight I'm going to be real with you. Nobody wants to be a statistic. Like, we've heard these statistics, 64% and 10%. Nobody wants to be a number. But if you must be a statistic, why would you not want to be part of the 10%? Why would you not want to be part of the 10% where you could say, I'm resilient? I'm a resilient follower of Jesus. I'm a resilient follower of the word of God. And no matter things may come, last, night, or last week we talked about foundation. No matter what would come, I have a strong foundation in the Lord. So no matter what comes and the wind comes, I'm going to stand strong in my faith in Jesus. I'm resilient. So if you have to be a statistic, because somewhere we're all a statistic. We're one of like 7 billion people. That's a statistic. But if you have to be one, why not be part of the 10%? The resilient, that have resilient faith and anticipation for heaven. And on top of that, what a better time than now to be the generation that makes that number increase again. Because there was a time when that number was high. I don't know what the number was, but there was a time in history where resilient disciples outweighed the ones that left church. So what a better time than right now in this moment on January 19th to be the generation that increases that number from 10% to 50. And then to 100 why not? What's stopping us? What's stopping us? Right now, I'm staring at a room full of world changers, full of them. Almost every seat is filled, and every single one of you in here is a world changer in your own way. You all have the God-given gifts and potential to give back to the Lord to change the world for good. Because based on these statistics, if they keep going the way they are right now, it's, that 10% is going to go to 5, to 3, to 1, to none. But you in this room are world changers, so you could change the course of history, and they change the course of these stats to make them increase. So I'm here to tell you tonight that none of us in here are called to our own plan. God hasn't called us to, to the plan that we create in our mind. God has called us to the plan that is his for our lives. Fight for the plan that God has placed on your life, not the plan of your own desires. Worship team, will you come join me up here tonight? No one is here, like I said earlier, no one is here. I'm not here. The leaders aren't here. No one is here tonight sugarcoating anything. No one is saying that the call of God is an easy one. Because if the call of God was easy, then everybody, all of the, like these stats would be higher. There's a reason 64% of people drop out of church. And that's because suffering in this world is so, so real. I'm not here, I'm not here saying that the ten, to be part of this 10% is a cakewalk. 
Like I said, if everybody, if it was a cakewalk, everybody would be part of the 10%, it would be 100. We were born into sin, and therefore we are weak without the, the direction of, of, of the Lord. That's why these stats are so low, because we were born into weakness, we were born into de to death. But how many of us know tonight that our weakness is made strong with God? So open up your Bible again, and we're going to read the second half of this passage, where Paul gives us encouragement, and he tells us how, how we're going to be part of the 10% to stick it out. Go to verse 26. It says, just like I said, we talked about weakness. The Holy Spirit actually helps us in our weakness. For example, when we don't know what God wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings and cannot be expressed in words. The Father knows, who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers. In harmony with God's own will, we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And, have giving, and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So it's not easy. Based on the world's standards, it's not easy to, to fight. But Paul, but Paul tells us tonight that if you choose to fight with God, if you choose to align yourself with his purpose for you, if you choose to follow the direction and the inclining of the Holy Spirit, the fight will be so much easier. The Spirit will lead us in perfect harmony, Paul says, with the will of God on our lives. So instead of caving to the suffering that you experience at school, at, at home, all these things, all the suffering that we've talked about, instead of caving to it, instead persevere in hopes for making a difference for God's kingdom. Why not now? Why not choose tonight to, to persevere and make a difference for God's kingdom? It's gonna be a fight. Nobody said it's easy, but why not now? Fight the good one instead of the hard one. Fight the one that's actually going to get you to the eternal glory instead of the one that's dooming you to death. Because no matter what we're fighting, we've made that clear tonight. So fight with the, the mighty warrior, the, the strongest person of all at your side, at the front of you. Even when it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, I promise God works all things out for good, just like Paul has said. Fight for what you know is right now because heaven is waiting for you. And if, if that isn't incentive enough, I don't know what is. Tell your friends that heaven is waiting for them so the fight that they're fighting can actually be one worthwhile. I promise it'll be worth it. You can wait confidently, but also patiently, knowing that one day you're gonna go home with Jesus. And this fight that you fought for 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years, the fight that you fought for that long thus far and longer will actually be worth it. So will you stand with me tonight? I'm gonna pray for each and every single one of us in this room and then we're gonna go into a worship song and then we're gonna go to In-N-Out and have a good time. But before we do all of that, without looking around, without distracting your neighbor, Take the time, take this moment right now on January 19th to, 
to soak in the presence of the Lord because he's here and he's ready to work on people. He's ready to, to fix situations that you're going through. Let him speak to you. And I'm gonna pray that, that God will give you the resilience to withstand the suffering of this world. I'm gonna pray that you will live in anticipation and excitement for the home that you have prepared for you. And it's gonna be a fight, but the reward is gonna be so much better than anything you could ever imagine. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship. And when we worship, I want you to worship like you've never worshiped before because I've said it 8,000 times tonight, the reward that's waiting for you is worth your worship. The reward that's waiting for you in heaven is worth, is worth for you to call out to God and say, I need you, I need you to fight with me. So dear Jesus, thank you for, firstly, your word. God, thank you for your word that is strong, that is active and is, and is challenging for us, God, but it's so true and it's so strong. God, thank you for the apostle Paul that, that you called him out of, you called him out of a life fighting for the wrong things and you called him into a life fighting for you, God. He lived in prison for so long, fighting to tell more and more people about Jesus. God, thank you for the way that he spoke to us tonight. God, thank you for the word that, for the way your word spoke to us tonight. And God, for these students, for these parents, for everyone in this room, God, I pray a resilience over them. I pray that they would grab hold of the promise that you've offered us, that we would all grab hold of what's waiting. And God, let that be, let that be encouragement and let that be incentive for us to fight the good fight, fight Fight what we know is right, fight for what we know is right, not what is wrong. God, that we wouldn't take for granted the sacrifice of your son, because a lot of us in here are taking for granted the fact that Jesus died so that we could be saved. God, allow us to live as if we know we are saved and we're trying to pay you back. We'll never be able to pay you back, but God, allow us every single day to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to repay you for what you've done for us. God, we know it's not going to be easy. We know it's going to be a fight. But God, a fighting, fighting in this world is so much easier with you at the forefront of our lives. We're fighting no matter what. So God, I just pray for a resilience, for a, for a confidence for these students to go, to make disciples, to tell their friends about what's waiting for them on the other side. Because there's two options. We know there's two options. There's hell and there's heaven. And they're both very real places. But God, I... I pray that these students have the confidence to go and tell their friends that heaven is waiting for them if they choose to call on the name of the Lord. To stay caught up with everything happening, check us out at peopleschurch.com as well as on Instagram at PCYouthSalem.